Here we are, episode 18 of Built for Better. Uh, today's episode is with Ray Moga. We met at a real movement camp in 2017 and obviously created a really good connection there. It's been a while since we spoke, but it was really good to have him jump on the podcast, obviously via Zoom, um, for a chat. But before we get started, let's roll the intro. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. Wasted energy spinning a pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door. But time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude. But this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing your nudes. Here we are. Thanks for jumping on, mate. No worries. It's, uh, it's been a while. It's been a long time. Yeah, bro. When? Oh, i trying to think. 2000 and. 17, 17. So Rural Movement Camp in Brisbane at uh, Ezra's place. That was an awesome four days. Yeah, it was. I think I think to this date, if, if anyone says what's in the last five years, what's one event that has shaped you, it was definitely those four days. Like, it was cool. Like, I've never experienced anything like it, like coming into an environment like that. And then for me, I'm just a sort of, drawn to people anyway and just meeting people how you're going where you're from and you know how how you're able to manage all these different personalities all coaches all wanting the best it's like man i hope i perform clearly i did it in some things <laughs> i'm like i need to improve on that <laughs> yeah it was, it's been um, good bro it's been good so 2017 yeah that was like if i look back on one thing that changed my life completely like hands yeah. down and it was, I think it was probably one of a kind too because I've been back to three or four real movement camps and none of them have been like that. Like the bar was set yeah. very high. Oh, man. And that was it. The energy, not only the energy, but I guess everyone's just egging, you know, you know cheering each other on. But again, like you said, I've been back to maybe one or two, nothing like that. But for those of us who do return after that one in Brisbane, we have this relationship and this connection and people are like, Man, there's something different about the way you guys connect as opposed to most real movement camps. And so, yeah, that, that's a special part of my life, man. That's that's very, very, um, yeah, massive moment for me. See, for me, like I only started open my gym in January and that camp yeah. was in February. So I've been coaching for like one month, had pretty much no idea. And I go to this camp and there's boys like, you know, Benny Murphy, Will, Ezra. Yeah. Um, Timmy Frey was there. Like Timmy Frey had been to the US and all of this kind of stuff to do coaching, and here I am, one month in, no idea. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least I was even one more removed from that. I hadn't even coached anyone yet. Like I was just there to learn because I was doing my um, certificate three and through the Australian Institute of Fitness. So I was just like, well, this is epic. Like I'm here with like guys who've been coaching for years who have businesses and I'm just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I always remember you, bro, your manly shirt. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only training shirts that I, that I owned. I just run with them every <laughs> single day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, at least you've upgraded, bro. You got your brand hoodie on there. So <laughs> what a journey, eh? Yeah. And like how, let's go back to the beginning from you and stuff, schooling, upbringing. What was that like? Oh, bro! For school, for school, I was, I was almost like the class clown in many ways, but not 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 the clown is like distracting, but just always 
positive, always, you know, always made, made light of a situation in class or just around and about. I, I, I was sort of like in my own leadership space, like in terms of how, how I became, you know, sort of strong in that aspect. I was, I'd always be very mindful how others would react to things and then trying to figure out what was the best way to approach those particular people to get buy-in from them, whether it be at, and this was like at high school. And so unbeknownst to me, that would eventually be some of the building blocks that will help me and stuff. But I guess in my my schooling and upbringing, I mean, I wasn't the brightest kid in the school, um, but I definitely, I definitely put a lot of effort into trying. Obviously there's a difference between like those kids who are super academic, it tests them in that capacity. Like there, there was no test, you know, just for, normal practicality stuff and common sense like i would have aced that <laughs> you know but um yeah in terms of my upbringing bro like i was born yeah well look really quickly born born in new zealand um raised there for about a few years and then we we came out my, my parents uh, decided that that aussie was the way to go and so they had my, my dad had some siblings who were living here at the mo- at, at the time so we decided to move over and did most of my schooling in australia so how old you know, were you when you made the is, move? Sorry? How old were you when you made the move? Oh, I was about 10. I was about 10. So you can just imagine any 10-year-old or, or when you were when you were 10. It was like I went from one set of ideas and values and culture, massive shift to to like to Australian culture and shift. And even like the things that I was in like interested in, like even just sport, like over there in New Zealand, like to be an all blacks, that's your dream doesn't matter how far you move away from the country like if they would have called me today and said ray do you want to yep i'll i'm doing it you know so for me that was sort of part of my culture and upbringing when i got to when i got to oz or living in the west side of brisbane you know they had an afl field i was like what is this <laughs> like, i've never seen anything like it and mind you i still hadn't really been exposed to um to rugby league and so for me you know, there was this other sport that was like rugby union, but not quite. So I ended up just following the local team, which happened to be the Broncos and ended up being, you know, Queenslander and whatnot. But I never, even to this day, I would never support either the, I think the Kangaroos or the Kiwis just because rugby union is always a sport I've always followed. So, yeah, so I was about 10. I was about 10 when I moved over. So that that was big. Um in terms of how that would help me adapt to different environments, like being out of my comfort zone. And so understanding that then as a 10-year-old, I would carry that all throughout high school and learning how to, how to adapt to certain situations and how, how I wanted other people to feel because, um, you know, as a 10-year-old, like you feel isolated, you feel like you're alone, you're coming to a new school, new culture. It's like I always wanted... If, if it was ever happened to someone else, I wanted to make sure that I was their friend and make sure that they're okay. And I think that's sort of like carried with me, bro, like all throughout, even in my leadership, my coaching, just who I am with people, like connecting with you. Like it wasn't a big thing for me to come up and say, hey, hey, bro, how you going? You know, Logan from, you know, from, from inner, you know, New South Wales. And so for me, I always think in, in reverse and like what's it like to walk in and not know anyone and feel like, oh, man, do I belong here? It's like, man, I don't care. I'm just going to go befriend that person. <laughs> so it's a it's a horrible feeling sometimes, eh, hey, for the wrong person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And different personalities would just cringe and go, well, "I'm going to jump in my car and not come back again." But 
I think the more I get used to it, the more I'm exposed to those environments of like un- being uncomfortable. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say it's necessarily you're fully comfortable. There's always levels of um, comfort, but it's it's a nice sort of feeling to know that hey, I'm I'm always pushing myself that little bit every single time I I connect with new people. So yeah, man. Is it kind of like it appears it's every male that comes from New Zealand's dream to play for the All Blacks? Like rugby's like another culture kind of thing. Oh, there, bro, hey, it is Australia. a god there, man. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> it is. It is like got the small G. Like it's the thing. Like it, I almost feel like when you're born, you get given a rugby ball, <laughs> and it's it is. It's we, I don't know any. I don't know any better. Like. You know, you play barefoot in, in primary school. Like, that's the thing. You're like barefoot rugby. They, I remember running against guys like in when I was 10. Like, they'll put you in age group and weight division as well. And so it's, just a, it's just a part of your culture. Like, so all the natural – I mean, look, not everyone is good at sport in New Zealand. But given the culture, if you're, if you're part of that particular culture, you're just like, yeah, all blacks, you know. Rugby's the way to go. Like, we don't know any better. Ah, oh, good effort if you want to play something else, but would rather watch the All Blacks instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what about high school? Did you do high school in Brizzy? Yeah, did high school in Brizzy. Just just, just here, one of the local schools um, just up the road. Um, and that was a bit of a challenge as well, like trying to figure out, um, I guess, as a teenager. Teenage years are always awkward, eh, bro? Like... <laughs> You're, just, you're trying to grow into your body, uh, you know, you, you, your voice drops, you, you're growing thing. You're just like, what the what? And then trying to figure out schoolwork, trying to figure out your mates, you know, where do I fit in? Am I allowed to have an opinion that's different to my friends? I'm trying to not please my teachers, but trying to do what they want to do. I wonder what my parents think of schooling. So in Brizzy, yeah, Brizzy, but in school, it's funny because to this day, I don't, I never really had super, super close friends in school. Like I was just acquainted with everyone. Like I was that dude that just floated around and just made sure that everyone's good and how you going and stuff. But uh, yeah, so school wasn't necessarily difficult for me. Um, In the the actual academic side, I would say, yeah, I was pretty challenged because my mom and dad, well, my dad, he's, my both parents are from Samoa and my dad, He's like one of, I think, 14 kids. Wow. Um, oh, no, 14 or 12? 12. My mom's one of 16. That's crazy. How <laughs> so many brothers and massive, sisters do you have? I only have one older sister. That's it. So my mom's like, nah, I'm not going to go down the statistic of like providing a rugby team for our families. Like you've got <laughs> enough cousins. You have enough cousins to, to, to hang out with. So even in even as I grew up, like, I was rarely at home. I was always at my cousin's place and my auntie and uncle's house playing sport with them and whatnot. So I'd only come back home almost during the weekends, uh, during the weekdays for school. And then weekends I'd be like, I'm going to visit cousin so-and-so. So. <laughs> and where'd the path leave you after high school? Well, after high school, really, I, I thought, because I was really interested in sport, obviously it was just something that I was, I would say I was, I was pretty talented at, like I could play all sorts of sports. Like even now my mates are like, that's a, you'd, you, you would have made a great AFL athlete. But I was like, oh, I just hate running. I just hate running for that amount of time. <laughs> like, yeah, for a short amount of distance, I could do that. Basketball, even touch football, you know, soccer was all right. Soccer was borderline pushing it because you're like, you constantly have to run all the time. 
Um, but but after high school, I thought I really wanted to pursue like um, sports coaching, and so I did a I did a diploma or I attempted I should I say I attempted a diploma in um, sports development and TAFE, and uh, I did about one year, and then I started working, and then I ended up working at a factory. We were making like sausages, and it's <laughs> just just on a holiday, and then I ended up liking. Not so much the job itself, but just the environment of like the other guys that were working there. And it was cool company. Ended up staying there for two years, bro. <laughs> like, so I threw my, my studies out the window. My, my poor parents were like, what, what are you doing? Go, like, just go to school. <laughs> I'm like, nah, money's pretty good. <laughs> so for two years, I worked making sausages. I just, but, but then it got to a point, it got to a, a tipping point where one day, t- one day, one of the workers um, we went out for smoker. Obviously, I don't smoke or drink, but he's like, he's, he's, you know, having a puff on a cigarette and he just turns around to me and we started talking about school for some weird reason. And I said, oh, yeah, I graduated from high school. And he's like, what? And he goes, mate, you graduated from high school and you're working here? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Why is that? He goes, he goes, what the F are you doing here? I'm like, oh, uh, sure, m- money. And it was after that conversation, I went home that night, it really shook me, eh? Like, and he just basically, more or less, he was saying, mate, you're, you're educated. Like, you have a grade 12, you have a senior certificate, and he doesn't have one. He dropped out at year 9 or year 10, doesn't have anything to show for it. And then obviously, the path he chose is, I'm a factory sausage-making work, <laughs> worker forever. So I switched and I ended up doing, um, I went back to study, ended up doing a... Um, uh, a course in youth work and juvenile justice, just because it's sort of, I, I sort of sport was still part of my life, but I, I actually thought, man, I want, I do actually want to help people more, like intentionally in that space. So yeah, graduated from that, um, and then I picked up playing. When I say that, I picked up playing um, volleyball. I've always played volleyball, but never thought to train intentionally about it. Even in high school, I never was any on rep like rep teams or anything like that really good at it a lot of people would ask me if I should trial out I was like meh you know I'll play any other sport as well um but yeah went back to study graduated from that that was pretty awesome um worked in like the uh I guess the youth sector like you know looking after kids at high risk um all the while playing volleyball ended up qualifying why well, ended up um making the Queensland under 21 team um, and that's a whole journey in itself, hey, pretty, pretty hectic. So then that's when I got introduced to professional sport and more so like strength and conditioning. Then I thought to myself, yeah, if I actually apply myself, I can actually be really, really, really good. So, yeah, what else? Yeah, after that, went on, ended up working um, in, the youth, in, the, in the youth sector, working with kids at, at, at higher risk. And I think probably one of the biggest things I was learning at the time, bro, was just about um, – empathy or like for, for, for other people in worse off situations than I was. And, and it helped me have like a lot of gratitude, just being able to not have to be exposed to that environment for these kids who, who are either come from broken homes, homes of abuse. And again, there's that part of me as a 10 year old, always wanting them to feel okay. Like I never want them to feel isolated or alone, but yeah, part of the job. You can see that trend the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, like, and then we're, you know, we're going to fast forward to like to right now. Um, 
I did that and then I went, man, I want to I wanna study to be like a church minister because that's, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a spiritual guy. I'm, I belong to a church and I love sport. And so for me, I just thought, yeah, that was a natural progression for me because I was that's, that's what I was exposed to. That was the environment I was around. And so I did, studied four years at university down in New South Wales. Um, and then I, I got a call to go to New Zealand to work for five years down in Christchurch in the South Island there. And I was looking after um, like um, youth, young adults um, and doing, uh, you know, events, uh, coordination, connecting with them and just really building culture of, of young people and stuff like that. And yeah, about after five years, we, you know, we, well, my wife and I we got married. We had, we had a few of our kids there. Then we came back to New South and then, that's when I decided, oh, I'm going to actually go into um, sport coaching and just made that decision beginning of 2017 when we came back, oh, I want to do sports coaching. And then that's where you and I met, <laughs> 2017. Was there like any sort of particular moment what made you want to make the switch from what you're doing with youth and ministry and stuff and then jump back into the sports? Yeah, so for me, like, while I was doing the youth stuff, like I was connecting with them through sport and they would often invite me, hey, we, we have a basketball run. We'll be cool to have you come down as, you know, it'll be kind of cool. Just, but, and I was realizing at the time, they were really asking me to be their mentor, like, some, like an, an older big brother to sort of like look out for them and just hang out with them. And I said, happy to. So I'd go down and play basketball. I'd, I'd go to... Um, sign up with um, for touch uh, touch footy uh, comps and I and I you know run with them and because I was still fairly active like I was basically keeping up and beating them at the same time they're like this doesn't make sense like you should be way slower than us <laughs> I'm like nah my pride eh? I was like nah never <laughs> <laughs> so when I came back I I, I thought to myself I actually I I remembered what it was like to train. Um, and, and play for Queensland and how I really applied myself. And I thought to myself, man, if I can make this work in terms of youth and young, like young people, if, if there are junior athletes or people that I can inspire, man, I, I, I reckon I can, you know, have a, have a good crack at it. And so that's what really helped me transition back, I'll transition into sport because it was just, it was second nature to me as well. Like, and and like and like you said, I'm glad you pointed out the threat of always wanting to look out for people and making sure that they're okay. And if they come into an environment where I'm coaching, where I'm a coach now, I don't want them to feel weird or scared or afraid. And so, yeah, like like part of my upbringing, big family, always making sure you're looking out for each other. Um, and then even into my my job as a pastor, but then also now as a sports coach. Yeah, and you did some work at Cornerstone with. Mick and that? Yeah, so so with Mick and Sam, so partway through my study um, of the Cert 3, um, you, you had to look for a gym where you could do your placement. And I remember after, um, yeah, it was after that camp that we were in Brizzy at Ezzy's, um, Keegan said that he had a brother who was living in Newcastle, but he also, uh, Mick and Sam, who just opened, who, who had uh, Cornerstone Strength and Conditioning. So he told me to, to hit them up. And so I did. Um, and the crazy thing about being in a real movement community, like the moment I said, oh, I've attended a camp and Keegan's told me to, you know, connect with you guys. It was like it was this instant thing. It's like, oh, yeah, we know 
where your heart is at. We know the standards. We like it was just a weird, cool thing, man. And so within only a few weeks, they basically offered me a job <laughs> while I was still studying. So I was like, oh man, I don't have the experience. And they're like, yeah, it's all right. This is part of the real movement experience. Like throw you in a deep end, but we'll s- super support you and whatnot. So I ended up working with Mick and Sam down in, uh, at, at Cornerstone. And the cool thing that I learned down there, because I was passionate about like coaching younger athletes or even older athletes, it didn't really matter at, at, at that time, but I was exposed to, to different kind of athletes because athletes I had in my mind is like, well, I ever want to do strength and conditioning for volleyball players, basketball players, and potentially touch football slash rugby players just because that's what I've sort of been exposed to. But at Cornerstone, their main clientele was like hockey players and soccer players and netball players. I was like, nope, like I don't know what to do with these guys. But I guess in my education through real, real like with, with Keegs and Sam and, and Mick, they just said you train them all the same. Like in terms of the programming, like it's not any different. There are a few 1% as you, you show certain athletes, but the movements are exactly the same. Yeah. yeah, and I guess the joy of training athletes is they really apply themselves. Yeah, like you don't have to like convince them. Come on, be motivated. Like for them, they're like, I want to re- reach the top. So whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Obviously, there's certain personalities that are laissez-faire and they're just like, yeah, I'll do. Yeah, they're trained, but they're there, but they're not there. <laughs> and do you reckon then, like on- as it gets on and as it gets harder and the um, competition gets better, they're the guys who fall short? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we saw it a few times, like the teams that we were doing strength and conditioning for, particularly for the soccer guys. Yeah, you can just see mentally if they didn't apply themselves in, in, the, in the sessions or on the training pitch, like you could tell, hey, you could tell the difference between someone who is super talented and doesn't always try as hard, and, but they're just talented, but there's no leadership or no, you know, drive to, to make sure you do the best. Whereas you see someone who's a bit average, you see their efforts, man, they, their growth is exponential, eh? And so you'd compare them throughout the entire season. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of cool getting into um, understanding the psyche and the mindset of athletes again. And so I just thought to myself, man, what would I do? It's like, man, if I get given an opportunity potentially play for the A-League because they're basically one grade beneath, like the A-League, I would be doing my absolute best. But some of them were just going off by sheer talent. And so... Yeah, it's, it's, it happens all the time. Like sometimes the best as juniors don't go anywhere near it because they don't yeah. have that work ethic, that drive. They don't pick up them extra gym sessions that everyone else is doing. Um, yeah, they spend yeah. more time on the PlayStation, I guess. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. So, and did you do much work? Sorry, keep going. No, you go. Did you do much work with General Pop at Cornerstone? Yeah, I did because they also had classes for for like for general pop, and that was cool as well because I was almost introduced to them um, first, and then I went crossed over to athletes. So I sort of worked my way into being, you know being comfortable and whatnot. They knew that I was sort of naturally um, sort of leaned into athletes, but for general pop, that that became second nature to me as well, just because rather than trying to push them like I would an athlete. I would almost like come alongside them and just have more sort of a conversation as they're working out. And, and so because the gym runs in a way that both athletes and gen pop work in the same space at the same time. So not that I was mindful of it, but 
the way that I would coach my athletes would almost similar be the way that I would coach the general pop. So they knew that they weren't getting ripped off going, oh, we got second class Ray because he doesn't want to give the same energy to us because we're general pop. And they would be surprised just by my approach. Like I joke around, of course, and but really push them. I'm like, okay, that was a really good rep. The next five reps, I want you to do a proper, you know, proper form. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. Good. Like I'm not here just so you can tick off the class and go back home. Like I'm going to push you to a point where you know that you're performing your absolute best. And so a lot of them would, would appreciate that mindset. I'd be like, I'm just thinking of you as an athlete, not thrash you like one, but coach you like one. You know, you're just, you're just as valuable. You, you, like you're just as important. I, lo- I love uh, dealing with general pop and just seeing the wins and like the smiles on the faces that they can get every day and just knowing they can be that little bit better. Like that sort of lights me up is dealing with, you know, helping them um, get that weight loss that they've always wanted and, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like the coolest thing, like because we wouldn't necessarily coach all at the same time myself, Mick, Sam and one of the other coaches, like I would have, would be coaching different time slots and different different general pop. So the stuff that I was achieving with some of the general pop um, clients and I'd put it up on social media, Sam and Mick will reply, they're like, how in the world did you get that person to do that? We've been struggling to try and motivate them to, you know, do a, do a sled push or how did you do it? I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I just asked them to do it. So realizing that you know, they respond differently and you have to sort of always, you know, mix it up a bit and what's the best way that general pop will respond. Some love you just, yeah, yeah, let's go. But then some just like, just tell me to go harder and that's all I need. (laughs) So that was kind of cool. That's the good bit about, um, I guess, the style of training that they do at Cornerstone and I do as well is you really get to know the clients and understand them like, like you know what they want and what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Yeah. Where they yeah, need pushing. See me coach, yeah, that's right. Like the, the general pop would see me coach some of the athletes. I'm like, you call that a rep? Come on, man. Like you said you wanted to be the best. That's that. Come on, let, let's do it again. Do it again. Let's go back to basics. And then, you know, because we're all in the same room, that sort of look, the general pop will look at me. It's like, oh, I hope Ray doesn't coach us that way. Then <laughs> 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 when I do switch over and do coach them eventually, I just talk to them like this. I'm like, okay, do one more rep. The next one, just fix up your technique and, and they're hitting PBs and they're like, oh, he's, not, he's, he's the same guy but not the same approach, you know. You can't approach everyone all the same. Yeah, everyone reacts differently. And that's sort of like obviously from a young age, like you've had that natural ability just to connect with different people. Like it was like you're set up to be, you know, dealing with people. Yeah, and so for me, like to – and thanks, thanks because, you know, it took me a while to really figure out because people were like – you do a lot of things. You do, you know, you do coaching, you do your, you know, your, your church stuff, and then you, you do your youth work stuff. And I mean, like I missed out this other part, but I'm, I'm also a high school teacher as well. And so like you say, you're also a high school teacher, you do a whole bunch of things. But like you pointed out, and I, sa- and I say to people, I was like, what's the common thread? I said, once you understand the common thread, the, the, the purpose, like you're calling what you know you're really good at, you can do that in any job, in any job. So it just it sort of like diverts off. So whether I'm whether I'm sports coaching, I'm still with people, I'm still making them feel good, I'm still helping them. High school teaching, same thing. Whether I'm in a church doing whatever church things, like 
it's the same, same to me. So I've always been, I think, yeah, like you said, it's just something I'm really, really passionate about. And uh, it doesn't matter what job I'm in, I'm always doing some sort of empowering session or helping people. Yeah, 100. And what was your main takeaway from that rural movement camp? Like what was your your main moment? Like what really made you think? Oh, I think... I think there was a there was a few things just just to think of it. Like number one, when you're exposed in an environment where you're not the best, it actually push. It can make you react two ways. You can you can fear from it or run from it or and just go, oh, I'm not good enough to be in a space. And there were moments in that room. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm good enough to be like the the like the CV or something. Like <laughs> you and I were just like, man, these guys are like training national athletes and they they got bodies like days they got gym business I was like I don't even know if I'm worth it but I did it and I embraced it and go this is growth for me so number one and like if I'm exposed in an environment where people are better before I would have been like I don't know I, I don't know if I should work out with these guys it's like nah stuff it like I want to grow myself and the only way that I can get better is be exposed to better people um and 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 that was number one um Number two um, was always, there's always more in the tank. Like, <laughs> you know, we'd, when, when we do a set of kegs and, you know, it's pretty exhausting, whatever it was. And, and then he says, okay, let's go again. We're like, what? <laughs> like, go again? <laughs> like, we train so hard. I. Well, it's like, my arms are falling off. I can barely do another pull up. Like, what do you mean go again? You know, and, and I thought my traditional sense was, oh, Oh yeah, we just do I guess twenty pull ups and make sure we, you know five at each man. That's it. He's like, nah, we're gonna look at maybe ten minutes and see how many you can do in ten minutes. But you got to just keep cycling through. I'm like, I don't know if that's physically possible for me. Like, but again, um, knowing that there's more in a tank, like being a bit more intentional, eh? Like being intentional is a huge part of it. Like intentional about the way I live my life, I lead my life being intentional about the way I lead my family because if, I, if I'm if i leading well, that means everyone else will be led well. You, like, you know what I mean? Like I have more, I can, I can lead out of the overflow of my cup. And so if I can do that well, I inspire and motivate my family. I inspire and motivate my community. Um, and, and yeah, and that was number three. And like number four was just like doing things completely out of your comfort zone, like handstands. Like, you know, handstands was something I tried to do in primary school, but to go upside down, nose first, upside down and going, and then Keegan's like, yeah, just be careful. Like I've had people like break their necks. <laughs> like what, what, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, <laughs> so really, really, and he, and he wasn't doing it in a way to scare us. He was just, you know, very factual. He was like, God, oh, just be careful. So even in that zone of being uncomfortable, it's always it's always like a, a calculated risk. It's like how much am I going to put myself through it, but at the same time going, well, how much do I pu- push myself through it? Like I, there's a pain threshold of like I can barely hold myself up, but at the same time it's like I'm exposed to all these amazing athletes. I want to level up and just lock out, but and then not crumble on your face. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, I remember we those, did that those, in mass gymnastics session and i had never done really much gymnastics in my life and i had nothing and just felt like it's nothing 
Yeah, yeah. I remember remember that session we did. I think it was the it was it was the paralytic bars, the one where like we lock out. Bring your knees up, guys. Extend your I'm, feet. Up. All yeah. I could do is just bring my knees up, and that was it. Like extend out. I'm like, nah, nah. And then you know the likes of Ezzy gets on. He's like. Phew doing all these sorts of craziness. I'm like, man. But, I mean, if, you know, anyone knows Ezzy, he doesn't boast that way. Like, he's just, it was just good to see someone who could do it his size. It's like, fire out. Yeah, watching him snatch 100 kilos and then watching Troy, who was deadlift like. Oh, two, ridiculous. Yeah, two-something rather, 220, 230. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me and Troy are actually doing a podcast tomorrow, which is cool. Oh, that's awesome. I Yeah, I did something with him like a few weeks ago. But yeah, just seeing, you know what, bro? Like I think about that Brisbane connect. And since then, most of us, more or less, who are still connected to each other, we've got, we've, we've actually, there's growth in what everyone's done. So whether or not you were, well, for me anyway, like I didn't, I, I was sort of was in a sports coach and now I've diverted back into what I'm doing now. But just my growth and mindset, and being exposed to, to to awesome people like that, that's really, really helped me, eh? Like, it's it's really set a lot of, I guess, um, benchmarks in terms of how I train mentally and then physically as well. Like, it was, yeah, that was real cool. Yeah, and uh, how old are your kids now? Yeah, so my, my kids, the six and one's turning four in June, and then I, we have a baby, not baby, she's... A year and a bit, so she just turned one in November. So I think at the time I only had just the two, just the two girls, and they were fairly young as well. Um, but yeah, man, being a dad amongst amongst all the changes, I mean, and and the same to you as well. Like it's one thing to do when you have no kids or fewer kids, but as they get older, it's like the need is far greater, and you're like, okay, I need to prioritize some stuff. Like before, I could train anytime I want. But now it's like I train, and if it's during during the day, I guarantee you one of my kids are trying to run underneath me. Like when I'm trying to do a, a front bar squat, I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like, but it's just it's just trying to build margin into my day that 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 like that I can do it right down to my routine. Um, one thing that Troy, like you're saying, he's, you're with him tomorrow, but he, he was just sharing. You know, for him, he has to write down a routine because if you write down a routine, like well. Like with anything, like we would do with Keeks, like you can manage your day, right? And it's so much stress taken or anxiety more so taken out of it because you can see how your day's gone and what you can track and you, what and what you can monitor. So, yeah, having kids have been pretty awesome and amazing because, you know, these kids just teach us so much about ourselves as opposed to us learning from them, you know? They're, they're teaching us about what we're like as parents or what we're like as an adult. And so, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool, man. Like, the, but the older they get, the more of, a, of an opinion they have. I'm just like, it was better when you were a baby when you didn't know how to talk. <laughs> 100%. And um, like what you're doing now, are you doing more with youth or a bit of both? Uh, a bit. Of, it's weird because, it's a, because of COVID, like, I, so to go back to your original question, yeah, I'm, I'm actually gone back into like the church scene. And so I look after some, a few churches and stuff, but all the while that's still about leadership, managing schedules in terms of, I'm on a few board committees and stuff like that. But um, 
at the same time, I still am able to train and express my coaching stuff. So I do a bit of body weight movement like zoo and stuff. And so now I run like sessions online uh, just for free for my small little community there um, just to still create community and move and stuff. And I'm still training online as well. I'm still, you know, I got my own gym set up. So I do a bit of both just because for me, I realize I, I can't have one without the other. Like it's just, it's just, it's just me. Like I love still engaging in that space. And so for me, I find it more ways to express me. Like there's different parts of me. Like you don't get coaching Ray when he's at church. Like I may use metaphors or analogies from the gym and stuff. There you are. Don't know what happened there. Yeah. It's still recorded, so it's just going to have some awkward silences. Uh, so you were saying about like your change in the switch, obviously, from coaching to how you operate in church. And I think that's like something that I've been trying to install in my coaches is like trying to have a different identity, I guess. Like that it's like yeah. the way I'm talking to you now, if I walk into the gym and speak like we are now, it's – um like no one's going to probably connect with me as well. Like you need to flick that switch and like sort of have something else that's like, right, I'm now I'm on and my voice raises and I speak loud and I do this and I do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like it's a confidence thing. Like it goes back to that real movement camp. I was quiet as all hell and Keegan kept, kept like quiet coach is a hungry coach. So that's something that I really took that's out. Right. Like, remember that's six. Right. Um, Remember, oh, six was even worse. Like he wouldn't say anything. Yeah, and um, remember they did that thing, and Benny Murphy was like in his face, like trying to get him to be loud. Like that was so intimidating. Like, yeah. But yeah, like um, I think the way we use our voice is very important. Like, and it's something yeah. that I've kind of worked on. Like, and it came back from a few camps that I've been on. Is like how well, like I explain an exercise is how well they're gonna do it. If I don't explain yeah. it that well, they're probably not going to do it that well. Yeah. And I think and I think that's so important, eh? Like the ways you communicate and just being okay with if they don't get it one time, change it up. Like some like some coaches, and you probably know as well, like they only coach us when we say a certain way, they only just know how to communicate one way. And so in their little playbook, they're like, no, every time I've said this sentence in how to do a proper squat, it usually works. But when someone's like, I don't, I don't get it. Like just be able to diversify yourself in terms of your coaching and being exposed to different coaches as well. Like, you know, that's, that's why the, the, the camp was amazing because you just saw the different styles, you know, we get told, okay, coach each other through this. What do, like, what do you say? Um, how do you do it? Like, um, and I think that's it, like have another identity outside of the gym as well because that also forces you to grow. Like if the gym's everything and everything, like it's good and it has a certain way, but, man, there's so much, there's so much more tools in, in within yourself that you, know, that you don't even know that, you know, oh, had I been exposed to this, I wouldn't have been able to be more confident in this area. You know, so for me, hadn't I been a, a high school teacher and going to high schools and you know, as as a casual teacher, like a relief teacher, you can just imagine back in school, bro. Like, whenever you had a relief teacher, you'd be like, "Sweet, we're gonna we're gonna run a muck in class." But for me, I had to learn, man. I had to hold hold like hold myself solid, like still teach the kids, and they'll try and run a muck, but they'll respect me more because I can I can get their attention. I can 
you know, build, build rapport. But yeah, just been exposed to different areas of growth. Like you never know what you can fully do or, or some of the things you, you have the potential to do unless you, you're placed in different environments. And so I just think, you know, um, when I was doing the strength and conditioning stuff with Mick and Sam, there are opportunities for me to go into schools. I mean, I was comfortable with that. That was fine. Um, and it was, it was opportunities for me to engage with the community. And again, it's all part of the, it's all part of the sharpening your tools. So you can, you know, there's so many ways that you can coach when you come back into your coaching uh, community or your, or your gym community. They just know that you're like, you've gone better. Like you're leveled up. You've got a bit more educated. You've been exposed to good coaching and different coaches. And so when you pour back in, it's not like, Oh, it's just the same old Logan. He's coaching the same way as he's always had for the last since 2017. Um, yeah, we've always got to try and be that one percent better every day, don't we? Like, there's always something new to learn. You're never at the top of the game. What's no. some What's some tips that you try and work on? You know, with you know some of your clients and people to try and take that you know one step forward and be that one percent better each day like not every day you're going to win that's that's for sure but if you can win most of them yeah i always have to remind them like i you know today you have to be better than yesterday like it's just a gentle reminder saying how did you go yesterday oh yeah it was all right it's like you reckon you could do one up better and not not in terms of pb i just think in terms of effort yeah. And like just mentally, you're mentally here. Like, you know, we, we see it happen all the time. People come to the gym, they can, they can come committedly like seven days a week. But, you know, up here, they're not, they haven't really flicked the switch. They're just like, my body's here, but my spirit and my mind's not. Like, I don't know why, Logan, I'm Coach Logan, I'm not, I'm not getting the results I don't want. Like I show up every day. It's like, yeah, but you don't show up in here. Because that's, that's a big difference. So for me, that's probably one of the biggest, biggest point is like just a gentle reminder. Hey, yesterday was good. Today can be better, you know, and really just coach them through that. It's, it's really a psychological thing in terms of helping them see that what they did yesterday was awesome, but you can always improve, right? And for them just to acknowledge that. And I think that's probably a big thing as well. Like acknowledge that your efforts yesterday were okay. But then also accept that today, like accept today's challenge to like to do one up, like yeah, maybe raise the intensity a bit more. Maybe maybe do one extra rep. Maybe just focus on that that hip hinge a little bit more intentionally. Maybe squeeze those glutes and you know um, as as you're driving up in a squat rather than just trying to stand up. Like those small little shifts and those little one percenters. Yeah, that I think that always makes a big difference in someone's performance, and so. Um, I think it's a gentle reminder. What did you do yesterday? How, you know, grateful for your progress, but today I reckon you could do better. Yeah, it's like even if you're not going to the gym, like if you ran to that, if you walk to there today, let's go one more power pole tomorrow or let's run the last one, you know, like it's yeah. Yeah. try and be that little, little bit better each day. And what about on the opposite end of the scale? Like you get people who are feeling good and want to try and be 1% better every day and want to know how. What about the people who are in the, in the hole and, and, you know, feeling like there's no coming back up? What's some little tips for them? Yeah, I think it always starts. I think I listened to your, I think one of your earlier podcasts um, just about, you know, when you're saying like you're right, like you're writing down your lists, 
like you know like you're writing i think it was your goals i think that was a podcast one of the early ones yeah like like writing down your goals but i would say and probably troy may maybe mention it and, and you probably do it as well just gratitude like the amount of times that i just say to someone okay let's let's write down a list and they're in they're like they're really in, in, in a dark place like i just say write down three things you're grateful for you know and and normally when they write they, like they start off like oh I'm grateful that uh, um, for food, you know, they try and joke about it. But then I always add that little bit extra. It's like, yeah, it's pretty amazing that we have the ability, like we have access or you have access to food. And, you know, the man, I can't imagine what it's like not to have food. And then it just flicks the switch. They're like, oh, yeah, I could be either homeless. I could have no food. I would be starving. I'd be begging for food. So small things like that just showing gratefulness of just being alive. Like, you know, I, I, in some of my previous coaching sessions and people rock up and they're just not in a good place. I said, hey, man, how you going? I said, oh, yeah, don't want to train, don't want to do anything. I said, hey, just, just, I said, let's, let's just do a quick activity. I said, place your hand on your heart. And they're like, yep, oh, you know, they think I'm going to get all, you know, churchy on them and do some pastoral prayer stuff. I'm like, nah. I said, can you feel your heartbeat? They're like, yeah. I was like, be grateful for that. Like your heart's ticking, man. Like people around the world don't even wake up. They didn't wake up this morning. And just the, the immediate switch, they're like, jeepers. Um, the fact that I'm speaking, the fact that I'm breathing and, and I'm alive, that's something to be grateful for. Because, you know, you build up those, those lists of being grateful, three things every day, whatever, five things every day. I just go three because it's an easy thing to remember. You build and build and build. Sooner or later, they're like, yeah, I'm really grateful that I can train. <laughs> like, really grateful I have a community. I'm really grateful I have a coach. Like, yeah. So I always say, if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum, start with just being grateful. Even if it's something you think is trivial, like, oh, yeah, I'm grateful for my car. I'm like, yeah, I can't imagine what it's like to 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 have to walk to work every day. It's like, oh, yeah, it's kind of chill. I said, it's probably better than riding a push bike, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Hundred percent, and like this, I might bugger this up, but one quote that I heard or read or somewhere the other day is, "What if everything that you didn't show gratitude for today wasn't there tomorrow?" Oh, there's so much stuff, eh, that we just take for granted. Like just living yeah. in Australia, like just flicking that hot water switch on when you have a shower, and just like all that little stuff that you don't even think. There's people who dreamed of that. That's it, eh? You just don't. You just don't know because you're not. You're never put in a, a space where you have to feel that gratitude. Like it's often forced once you don't have it. You know, um, especially with COVID nineteen, bro. And you're probably the same as well. Like a lot of people say, "Man, I miss the gym." You know, oh, I'm really, I'm really keen to sink back in once we're in again. Like, you know, when you create a place where, where, where you take something away from someone, they want to do it more. You know, oh man, I didn't know what it was like to work out of the gym environment. It's kind of cool having my gym community there. Now it's not we're online. It's not the same. It's not the same. So just showing gratitude for stuff like that is for me. And, and that's a practice I do every single day. Like just find something like I do. So my routine in the morning is like I wake up early hour on the morning, like you know, 5.30, but it's still early enough. Like I try and do maybe an hour of just walking. And then as, as I'm walking, I'm just reflecting and thinking. Um, I, I sometimes put like maybe not a podcast or like a book or, you know, some sort of talk, inspirational talk that someone's doing on TED Talks. So just to think 
And then, you know, I just walk and think and just go, man, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. So by the time I get home, man, like it doesn't matter what hits me in that front door. My kids are like, I had a bad night. Everyone's screaming, <laughs> you know, kids are being kids. It's a normal household. It's like, man, I'm good. Like I'm just grateful that, that, that my kids are alive and I can spend time with them. I'm good, you know. It's, um, I've been, I'm doing this challenge at the moment and it's two workouts every day and one's got to be outdoors and one's can be outdoors or indoors. And I've just yeah, been doing cool. one as a walk, like it's a 5k walk. It normally takes me about 45, 50 minutes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like put a podcast in and stride it out. And I say, get home. And if you listen to the right sort of podcast, like get home, put right. your earphones out. I say to Melissa, fuck, like it's amazing how good I feel after you know getting out fresh air listening to something you know educational yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah that's um, so true eh? like that that walk in the morning for me is just gold like my wife knows the difference can you hear that dog barking yeah it's all good though yeah dog never barks something i don't know something weird i can see over the next door neighbor's fence weirdly enough but yeah. <laughs> yeah. anyway but yeah my like my wife notices a lot like since COVID, because I never used to walk. Like, I just wait until I work out. I'm like, well, I'm going to work out anyway, so it's, I don't have to walk quite. Yeah, it's just a minute. Yeah, you're just a bit more mellowed and pretty pretty good. Like, you're not, you're not shaking up when you come in and your kids are screaming because they don't want to eat breakfast and, and, you know, a whole bunch of Zoom meetings lined up for the rest of the day. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really good. Yeah, cool times. Let's wrap it up. We've been going nearly an hour. Let's jump into these five questions that I ask everyone quickly. Um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we do, actually? No, not really, man. I'm just hopefully one day get to come out and see a gym. You know, the best opportunity would have been when I was living down there, but now I'm up in Brisbane. I don't even know if we ever be allowed to go into state. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen one day. Yeah. Tell me something about you that no one would know. Oh, uh, that I'm actually a bookworm, eh? Like, I love reading. Like, yeah. I mean, people sort of know that I put up quotes every now and again, but I actually, I really enjoy reading. Um, it's something that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a great reader, but I just enjoy reading. Like, I got stuck in a mode where when I first got introduced to reading, it was, it was biographies, and um, I just had to read word for word. And then, obviously, when I started, you know, was in school and, went to university, like, I just got stuck in a habit of reading everything word for word. And I, I just feel guilty if I pick up a book and I skip chapters, you know, you know, when people just skim read and like, oh, yeah, I read a book, I read like three books in, in, in one week. I'm like, how did you do that? Like, that's crazy. And then, you know, you find out to see like they read chunks, but I'm just like word for word. <laughs> and how, how, how many books do you get through like a week or a month or? Oh, so look, at the moment, I'm reading about three different types of books, eh? Like I read, I just finished up um, one on Gary V. I think it was Jab, Jab, right jab hook. hook, something like that. Or yeah, Right Hook. So I finished that and that was cool. Like, because the way that he writes is the way that he speaks. So you can hear him, it's like, yeah, I can hear him telling me off, like swearing at me if I'm not doing. So I finished that. Um, I'm reading... I went and seen him in Sydney live, eh? It was cool. Oh. Yeah, that would have been awesome, eh? That would have been awesome. I, I so wish I did. I so wish I did. There was heaps of things I wish I did. But um, at the moment, I'm reading this book um, called, uh, it's called A Hero Maker. It's like in the landscape of like church leadership, but I always apply it to 
to like corporate or, or stuff that's not re- church related. And Hero Maker is basically the concept of um, building a platform that you want others to stand on. And so it's really about coaching and mentoring, like rather than me taking all the credit for something, I want to be able to set someone else so they can thrive. So in a coaching context, it's like, yeah, I, I am the face of the gym. I am the face of the trainer, but I actually want to start releasing some of that power to um, my next trainer so they can, so I can build them up to a point where I can build them up and then I can just hide in the, not hide in the background, do like other stuff in the back that requires my, my, my time. So yeah, it's called a hero maker. And then I think the third book that I've just about to read, oh, it's called um, After the Honeymoon. So it's a, it's a marriage re- like relational thing. So my wife and I just started the six weeks sort of like online workshop, like one hour a week with a guest presenter and there's a like Q&A with a whole bunch of other couples. So it's very eclectic. Um, so between Gary V, <laughs> like this leadership stuff and marriage stuff, like I'm all good. But then at the same time, that's always complimented by podcasts. Hey, like if you ask me how many podcasts, I'm listening to heaps of podcasts, like anything and everything that is related to this, my line of work. But even if it's not my line of work, if it's growing me, then I'm good. Do you have a um, like a book that's had like a big influence on you that anyone could read if they were listening to this? Oh, bro, anyone can read, anyone can read, anyone can read. You haven't got an if. Bro, you're throwing me in the deep end of that one, eh? That's like, all right. Think on it while we rest, run through the next few. Yeah, 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 yeah. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, best piece of advice that I've ever been given? Weirdly enough, it's just I was training um, a while, like years ago, and, and all the, the, the best advice was keep going, just keep going. <laughs> like at the time you think, oh, it's just what every coach says, bro. Like keep going. Yeah, all right. You're all right, mate. You'll be right. But keep going. But I think I've actually taken that on and applied it to my own life. Like whenever I hit that, that threshold, that like that plateau of life, like, oh, man, I, my, either my business or my relationships, it's like just keep going. Like the fact that I can – just keep the thought of if I can if I stop, I'm not moving. Like if I stop, I give up. I'm like, well, I'm done. Like that's it. I'm gonna wave my white flag and I'm just gonna sit here and go, well, it is what it is. Or I can just keep going because you just don't know what's at you just don't know what's at like at the other end of you just being um, I guess resilient and just going, man, just keep going. You know, like you'll be all right. Like it's so bad right now, but the fact I'd rather be moving than being static. So keep yeah. it's weird enough. Yeah, just just keep, keep moving. Going. Don't sit in the shit, eh? Yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> like, nah, yeah, I love there's, it. There's enough people leaving those 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 marks on the road, man. Like, I don't want to be sitting there. Like, I'm 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 out of here, man. Like, I don't have time. I have a short amount of time in my life. I'm just gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah, love it. Is there anything that's happened to you that you thought would be the worst thing in your life but's turned out to be a blessing? Um, yeah, yeah. I think um, probably not being able to make certain sports teams. Like I just failed. Like I didn't. I wasn't good enough to make some of these teams. And often people would say, oh, yeah, I'll do something else. But 
for me because I, I didn't make it. It actually became a blessing. And, and I can't pinpoint a handful of them, but I know that it just, it was, it was several occasions where I was, wasn't chosen for certain teams or I wasn't that good enough to, to, to qualify. Um, so for me, yeah, it was a blessing because I ended up working on myself and getting better and then coming back and being better than most of the people that had eventually that, you know, all the teams that I, I went on. So, yeah, failure. Failure is good, eh? We often run from it, eh? We yeah, often run from it. Um, natural, natural. Oh, I'll do enough so it doesn't look like I'm failing and then I'll pull the pen there. So at least I feel like I went out on top. Like, just go to failure. <laughs> and, when, and when you failed, recover. Go back to my first point. Keep moving. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, love it. Where do you want to be in five years? I think in five years' time, I want to be able to be a place where I can, I guess, not only provide for my family and sustain them, but just really be be in a place where I can empower and, and leave a legacy where I can help others do the same as I've done for them. Look, like my family is a part of that journey as well. I could say, look, and, and it's all true. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great dad. But for me as a leader in five years' time, I want to be able to set someone else up for, for, for doing what I'm doing. Um, and obviously, well, like, again, I got, like, my, my whiteboard next to me. I got my book here. Like, we're all, like, you and I, we're constantly writing stuff down. But I think ultimately, if I can empower the next generation or the next person to do the work that I do better, Man, I'm at least I know that I'm leaving the society in a better place than I first found it. Eh? Yeah, there's no doubt you'd be doing that, mate. <laughs> Favorite quote? Do you have one? Oh, bro! Again, I don't know where to choose from, but you know, I wouldn't say it's a quote, but more so from my old man. And he says, "Whatever your hand finds to do, do it faithfully and do it well." Oh, that's it. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it well and do it faithfully, and. It didn't. It took me a while to figure it out. Like I'm only now. I'm just realizing, man. If you do it once, like do if you do the work well and do it to the best of your ability, you can never be faulted. Like no one can ever criticize you and said, "Oh, yeah, Logan did a half-hearted job," and he could tell. Like Ray gave it all. He gave it all, and the result didn't turn out well. But he gave it all. Yeah. You know? So. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Do it faithfully. Like do it the best of your ability. Do it when no one's looking. That's the thing. Like do it when no one's looking, and do it when it's hardest, because it's it's going to serve you well. It's going to serve you well. That's my thing. Like I worked with Essential for ten years, and just cruised by life, and just didn't really know motivation to do better or anything like that. And now, like with running my own business and stuff, I'm so driven that it just rubs off on everything. Like even now, when I make a coffee, I want to make the very best coffee that I can. You know, like <laughs> and Melissa's like, would you just make it instead of buggerizing around? I'm like, no, I'm making this thing properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's the experience of knowing that you've put effort into it and going, man, I want that to be amazing. You know. <laughs> We spend so much time at work, like to not feel fulfilled and do our very best. Like it's such a shame, isn't it? Yeah, and and the thing is as well, like someone said, you know, if someone says, "Oh, you can't always hit a hundred percent," no, it's not. It's true. You can't always be at a hundred percent, but you know that you can always strive for it, and and to not be like 
to not feel guilty if you don't hit that, you know, whatever things you had to do, but you know the intention was there, but yeah, at least you, you attempted. And I think that's so, so important. Like give it your best, give your best effort. That's all I ask when like if anyone trains with me, I'm sure it's the same as you. Like I don't care what numbers you get. Just know that give it your best, whatever patch of darkness or whatever stuff that's going on through your life, just give me your best for the next 60, like 60 minutes. That's all I ask. And, you know, that you know that you're going to come out of it better. You got any tips for sort of empowering people who you know aren't giving you their very best for that time? Oh, I'll probably go back to that same thing. Put your hand on your heart, mate. <laughs> like, yeah. Is it ticking? You're breathing? Yeah. You know, like just I think I think gratefulness is always is, is always a thing. And that's probably where I value a lot. Like if I understand what I'm grateful for, the fact that I can move around, man, I, I know that I can go down, I can jump on my bar, I can do a few squats, like I'm moving. Like I've seen I've seen the opposite, you know what I mean? Like frequently enough in 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 the work that I do as a church minister, like I've had to attend funerals, I've had to lead funerals, like and I'm burying people like six feet under like that's it life's over for them like i it's weird but i leave a funeral as i mean as empathetic as i am i feel more driven to live a more meaningful and fulfilling life just because like that person's time is up i want to make sure that i've made the most of every opportunity that i got like and and not just because people are relying on me but I just want to be able to to do my absolute best because I know at some point it's going to inspire and motivate someone, someone. It doesn't matter who it is. It's just going to motivate. It's like, man, Ray lived the best life he could possibly live. So Yeah, once it's over, it's over, right? Eh? It's done, man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Let's wrap it up. Thanks for jumping on. Appreciate it. Great. All good, Logs. And, uh, yeah, man, thanks again for having us on. Always a pleasure, bro. Thanks, mate. Till next time. Later. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. Wasted energy spending the pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door. But time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude. But this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing your nudes. I got places. Thanks for listening, guys. If you liked it, send me a message. Let me know what you liked. If you have any questions, don't be shy in reaching out. Uh, If you could, like and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Um, I'd also like it if you liked it. Take a photo of this, put it on your Instagram story, and tag Logan Thorpe and Logan Thorpe Fitness. Thanks for jumping on.